What is up, Bruins fans? It's your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Wednesday, January 27th, and our Boston Bruins are coming off a thrilling 3-2 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night at TD Garden. Craig Smith scored for the second straight game, recording the overtime winner with just 10.9 seconds on the clock. We will break that all down here in a moment, as well as answer some mailbag questions But before we do that, let me remind you that the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Pocket Casts is what I use for my Android phone. And if you could kindly hit that subscribe button, you will see that each new episode will be automatically added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, particularly you Apple users, that would be very much appreciated. If you're on social media, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LOBostonBruins and on Instagram at LockedOnBruins. You can find me, your host, Ian McLaren, on both platforms at Ian C. McLaren. For those who may be new to the podcast, I am a lifelong Bruins fan dating back to the 1980s. I have been writing about hockey for about 16 years now. The Joe Thornton trade was actually the first Uh, hockey blog post that I wrote and um, what else yeah I worked for about five years as a full-time news editor at the score which is a very popular mobile sports app based up here in Toronto Um, I live about an hour west of there in Guelph Ontario home of the OHL's storm and my latest freelance hockey writing gig was for SB Nation covering some prospects And I was able to cover the OHL championship in 2019, which was very exciting. And since October of that year, I have been hosting this daily Boston Bruins podcast. And I'm very excited to get into it today after last night's uh, great win for a couple reasons. Not because the Bruins blew a 2-0 lead, but because they were hugely successful on the penalty kill and then ultimately came through in overtime thanks to our handsome hero Craig Smith. As it happened, Smith and David Krejci played a bit of give-and-go on a 2-on-0 rush, and Smith was able to sneak the puck past Pittsburgh goalie Tristan Jari to give the Bruins their third straight victory. That goal came shortly after the Penguins had a 3-0 rush of their own, which turned into Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang playing give-and-go and and give-and-go got a little too pretty and Rask was able to poke-check the puck away and uh, allow the Bruins to go back down the other way and uh, score the winner. Smith said he just wanted to come in and do the best job that he could, chip in, help with the puzzle that is a Boston Bruins winning team. This team has some great leadership and has everybody pulling on the same rope. If I can be part of that, I'll be doing my job. Smith, of course, missed the season opener with an injury, but now he has two goals and two assists in five games for the Bruins this season and is certainly giving great value to that uh, $3.1 million AAV contract that he signed in the offseason. 
Tuka Rask, as I mentioned, saved the day by poking away that uh, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang chance. It looked as though he had been dinged up a little bit earlier in the game. He appeared to suffer an injury on Pittsburgh's first goal at 9.47 of the third. He reached to his hip area, struggled to get to his feet after Jason Zucker pulled the Penguins to within a goal, made it 2-1 at the time. He shook it off, stayed in the game without a visit from the trainers, and then, of course, looked sharp in overtime, turning aside a semi-breakaway chance from Brian Rust earlier in the extra session. Malkin had also had a great chance on a breakaway that he rang it off the crossbar. I mentioned the Bruins' penalty killing off the top. They went 6-for-6 against Pittsburgh's high-powered attack, and even outscored the Penguins in 10 minutes of shorthanded time as Brad Marchand came through with his 28th career shorthanded goal. That's a team record. And he, uh, yeah, made Chris Letang look pretty silly on the play and ripped a wrister past Tristan Jari. And while the Bruins were excellent on the penalty kill, head coach Bruce Cassidy said after the game that he could see some fatigue setting in later in the game after having to do all that work to kill the penalties. And that's when things broke down a bit and the Penguins were allowed to get back in the game. So while it was amazing that they were able to kill those penalties early in the game, the fact that they were in the box so much did set them back a bit and the uh, Penguins were able to capitalize later in the game. He said, when you kill that much, to keep it down to that many shots, we did a pretty good job battling, pretty good job blocking shots are willing to block shots, but you kill six penalties, you're down a body up front, they've got a really good power play, and then you mix in one or two shifts where you're stuck in your end, and that's where the fatigue came. He said, overall, I thought we were fine. A lot of pockets in the game, we didn't spend a lot of time in our end, probably shows in the shot totals when you look at it in attempts, and for sure the Penguins did have the edge in Corsi in this game at 5-on-5, They had uh, 52.1% of the attempts. And if you kick that to all situations, it's up marginally at 52.3. 57 attempts for the Penguins compared to 52 for the Bruins. 30 shots on goal landed for the Penguins. And the Bruins actually had 36. But, uh, you know, Penguins had more attempts throwing the puck on net while on the power play for so long. Now, one concerning bit of news from the game was that Jake DeBrusque played only three minutes and 30 seconds. He had to leave the game with a lower body injury, which appeared to come from a hip check delivered by Penguins captain Sidney Crosby in the neutral zone in the first period. There was no update on his condition after the game. Cassidy called him day-to-day pending further updates. Uh, We all know that Andre Kasha is already out of the lineup. Uh, David Pasternak remains out of the lineup, although it's possible he could be back in time for Saturday's game against the Capitals. DeBrusque had been filling in for Pasternak on the top line on his off wing. So Bruce Cassidy may need to get a bit creative on the right side until Pasternak is indeed able to make his return. He said Carson Kuhlman has been here. He's played on the past as a right winger. 
Zach Sinitian played in the past and could be an option as well if they're looking strictly at the right wing position. Greg McKegg and Par Lindholm are on the taxi squad as well. They're going to see how Jake is feeling here on Wednesday and uh, make a decision from there. So on Thursday at the morning skate, we might have a better idea of who might be filling in for DeBrusque if he's unable to go. Matt Grizzlick also took warm-ups prior to this one, but was unable to play for the second straight game. That kind of wreaked havoc on one of my keeper fantasy teams, as a side note that nobody really cares about. But I had thought he was going to be in, so I activated him, and then he didn't play, so didn't get any stats from that position, which was kind of a bummer. Connor Clifton stayed in the lineup alongside Brandon Carlo in this one. And uh, again... Hopefully, Grizzlick and DeBrusque are able to play Thursday against the Penguins. If not, keep it locked here to Locked on Bruins for all the latest lineup updates. And excuse my son yelling in the background. I should add, Charlie McAvoy led the way in this one with three points. All assists in this game. He had a primary assist on Marchand's shorthanded goal. Secondary assist on Nick Ritchie's power play goal. And he also had a secondary assist on the game-winning goal in overtime. Craig Smith, the overtime hero, also led the way in shots on goal with seven, which was outstanding to see. Marcia now leads the team with nine points through six games, four goals, five assists. And he is followed in scoring by Patrice Bergeron and Nick Ritchie, who are both averaging a point per game with three goals and three assists apiece. Before we move on to this week's mailbag, I'd like to talk for a moment about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. It comes in 18 amazing flavors. Some have nuts, some don't. All are gluten-free, which is important to me as someone with celiac. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. Soft, easy to chew, and just straight up delicious. I really love the lemon almond cheesecake, raspberry, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, to name a few flavors. Built Bar is great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great if you're on the keto diet. Now, if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. Put together your ideal box of built bars based on the flavors that tantalize you. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Locked on today is an exciting new podcast that we have here on the Locked On Network. You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts this daily podcast, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, let's jump into the mailbag. And I can't believe I just said alrighty. What is this, uh, Ace Ventura? Come on. Anyways, uh, some great questions sent in this week. And I will begin by answering a question from Locked On Flames host Jess Belmosto. She's been on the podcast before and she asks if you could put an NWHL team anywhere where would it be? Great question Jess and of course the NWHL season is in full swing down in Lake Placid. It's been very fun to watch 
uh, these games. The Toronto Six, who is the newest team in the league, won their first game last night, defeating the Boston Pride 2-1. Pride off to a 1-2 and two start, which is uh, kind of disappointing, considering they had only lost one game in 24 last season and had big aspirations of claiming the championship that they believe was rightfully theirs and should have been last season. Anyways, of course, right now there are six teams in the NWHL. Minnesota, the Metropolitan Riveters based in the New York area, Toronto, Connecticut Whale, Boston Pride, Buffalo Buttes. I think a logical next step for the NWHL would be to put a team in Montreal. You already have Toronto, Boston in there, Buffalo. So there's some good rivalries already uh, stacked for Montreal to jump into. And of course, Montreal, one of the best hockey markets in the world, uh, no matter what your feelings are on the Habs. The Whitecaps are on a bit of an island out there as the furthest West-based team. So it'll probably be cool to have a team in Chicago uh, to kind of develop that Western rivalry as well. But Montreal for sure would be my choice for where to place the next NWHL team uh, with Chicago perhaps coming in second. I'm always partial to Ottawa because I grew up there. I think there's a lot of great hockey fans there, so Ottawa might be cool too. But uh, Montreal, Chicago, I, I would pick first when it comes to possible NWHL uh, expansion. Friend of the pod, Mayor, who I believe will be on this Friday for another This Week in Hockey segment. Lots to talk about NWHL-related and a certain uh, sports media company. I'm sure we'll touch on that then. She asks, Bruins got off to a shaky start and are still struggling to win in regulation. Are you concerned? If so, why? And if not, why not? The Bruins, of course, only have one regulation win on the season, and that was the 6-1 victory over the Philadelphia Flyers on the weekend. We all know they struggled to score 5-on-5 to begin the season, uh, but that seems to have been rectified at the moment, or or they found their groove that way. Four of their six games have gone to overtime, uh, so they only have the one regulation win, but they also have one regulation loss. They're 4-1-1 through six games, nine points, second in the East behind the Washington Capitals, tied with the Flyers and Penguins with those nine points, but they have one game in hand on all three of those teams. They have a plus-six goal differential, which is best in the East division, and their fancy stats are also pretty promising. They're third in Corsi at 55.38 at even strength, and their expected goals for percentage is uh, now seventh in the NHL at fifty-five point eight three. So I'm not I'm not super concerned at the moment. We all know David Pasternak is soon to be making his return to the lineup. He is of course one of the best scorers in the NHL, so that will help to solidify things up front. Although there are some question marks surrounding Jake DeBrusque's health at the moment. And we'll touch on that here in a question uh, coming up next. But all together, I'm not very concerned about the Bruins. I think one of the big questions about this team coming into the season was the defense. And it has looked 
pretty good, all things considered. Uh, Kevin Miller looks like he is back to full speed after missing almost you know two years of hockey. He looks pretty physical back there and has stepped up leadership-wise. Uh, Jeremy Lozon and Jacobs Borrell have impressed, and Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, as rock steady as ever. Matt Grizzlick's been in and out of the lineup, but once he's healthy, um, should be pretty good, and they do have room to spend and add at that position as well. So, uh, yeah, I think they're doing just fine right at the moment. I don't think they've hit their groove quite yet, and uh, altogether, I'm not too concerned about our Boston Bruins uh, a bit more encouraged than I thought I would be really with um, the losses of Tori Krug and Zdeno Chara. They seem to be navigating that well. And again, the um, defense certainly has not been the problem. It has been the scoring. Pasternak's coming back soon. Craig Smith seems to be fitting in well. Uh, hopefully Andre Kasha comes back soon. Jake DeBrusque is healthy, and when everybody is in the lineup, it's a very deep top nine. I think it's one of the best around the NHL, and um, yeah, I think certainly for this season, the Bruins are well-positioned to contend in the East Division. Mayor also asks, have you solidified your NWHL allegiance, and why is it the six? Well, this is a Boston Bruins podcast. I am... Partial to the pride. Uh, good news from that loss last night is that um, Jillian Dempsey appeared to be injured, but it looks like she will play tonight, which is great. Uh, the Six, obviously a great story. They beat the pride. Uh, they almost beat the White Caps, although they did, um, you know, cough up a lead in Toronto hockey vintage style. Uh, but I mostly just really excited about the level of hockey that's being played in Lake Placid. It's very exciting, and everybody should be checking it out for sure. Last one from Mayor. Which teams across the league are surprising you right now, either because they're doing better than expected or worse? I feel like Mayor is uh, kind of goading me into choosing the Leafs. They are 6-2 and two at the moment through eight games. I believe that is the most points around the NHL, and indeed it is. The Golden Knights have 11. Capitals have uh, 11 as well. Uh, I wouldn't say that's a surprise per se, as the Leafs are thought to be the best team in the North or Canadian division. I think, really, the most impressive team to me has been the Montreal Canadiens. 4-0-2 through um, six games. They have a plus 11 goal differential, which... I believe is tops in the NHL. And uh, so, yeah, they're really impressing me so far. Tyler Toffoli, who we talked about a lot here on the Bruins podcast last season as a potential target, he's lighting it up for the Habs. Uh, the Dallas Stars are also impressing me, as well as the Florida Panthers. They're 3 0 0, both teams are. And um, the Stars, in particular, they're without Tyler Sagan for the bulk of the season. Uh, so, they look. Uh, pretty good in the early going, thanks to Joe Pavelski. Last question comes from Rob Cordez at rob one Cordez. He says, I think it's time we end the DeBrusque experiment, trade for a legit right wing. With Kasha's injury issues, I think it's just not going to work out for him here. What do you think? 
Well, Pasternak's return is imminent. He should be back maybe by the weekend or sometime next week. Uh, so between him and Craig Smith, I think the Bruins are pretty good on the right side at the moment. I am not prepared yet to give up on Andre Kasha. His current upper body, quote-unquote, concussion injury is concerning for sure, but I think he deserves more time in the lineup to see what he can do alongside David Krejci. Remember, uh, he came over late last season, only had a handful of games prior to the COVID-19 shutdown, and uh, had quarantine issues in the bubble. I don't think it's fair to judge him quite yet. Um, Injury issues are a concern, but we just have to look at uh, Nick Ritchie as an example of, you know, having some patience, letting a guy adjust to the system, to the room, and we've all seen how well he has played so far this season. I think Andre Kasha could be uh, just as effective if given that opportunity in his absence. Uh, I would like to see, yeah, a, a true right winger come up and play uh, if Debreska's out, if Kasha's out for a while. I'd like to see Zach Sedition get a look. He did look pretty good uh, last season in his time with the Bruins. And um, I think it's worth giving him a shot on that second line with David Krejci, see what he could do uh, if they're committed to keeping Greg Smith on the third line with Charlie Coyle. Thanks so much for sending in those questions. And again, every Wednesday here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, I will answer any and all mailbag questions that you do send in. So thanks again for sending those this week. BetOnline.ag is an exciting new partner that we have here at the Locked On Network. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust for the best odds in the business, and that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You can also visit our good friends and exclusive partners at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the, the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get that 50% welcome bonus today. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, NBA locks all winter long, as well as the NHL. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL as we do, and there's a potential defenseman that the Bruins could target in the trade market via the St. Louis Blues. No, not Tory Krug, but Vince Dunn, who I talked about in the offseason as a target when he was a restricted free agent. Frank Saravelli reported Vince Dunn could be on the move. The St. Louis Blues have engaged in conversations with many clubs regarding the 24-year-old defenseman who has been healthy scratched as of late. He signed a one-year, $1.875 million contract last year. He said, this is Saravelli of TSN, there was a belief Dunn would be traded during training camp. Um, And in his latest 31 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet added, Dunn was taken off the Blues' second power play unit during Tuesday's practice. 
The defenseman has had a rough start, but he does have a lot of talent. Friedman indicated the Blues had trade talks about him during the summer, and they were seeking a first-round pick in return. Again, Dunn was scratched from last night's win over the Golden Knights. Could indicate a trade is in the works. Uh, Dunn is a very skilled, mobile defenseman. Again, part of their power play unit. He did have 23 or more points in each of his first three seasons. 35 points during his sophomore season. And yeah, the Bruins should definitely have interest in a player of his ilk. Uh, He could certainly boost the left side of their defense. And he's a young guy who they could uh, help or yeah, who could help them build for the future for sure and help them in the present. So they should be all over that. I don't know, first round pick, worth it or not. Perhaps that's a bit steep, but uh, maybe because everybody knows he's on the block and has been scratched, perhaps that gives other teams a bit more leverage unless there's a bit of a bidding war. I did mention the NWHL and the Barstool Sports controversy that is raging. Basically, Barstool CEO Erica Nardini has been an outspoken supporter of the league. She posted a video to social media calling out various NWHL reporters, fans, and staff members for criticizing the league's ties with Barstool, or or maybe vice versa is a better way to say that. In an evening press release, Commissioner Ty Tuminia did her best to stand up for those affected by the issue. This is from Marissa and Jemmy at Sportsnet. On behalf of the NWHL, I'd like to respond to the video posted last night by a media platform about the NWHL, investment, fan engagement, and coverage. As commissioner, my top priority is to protect, promote, and reinforce the values of the NWHL and its players. We want, we must remain inclusive and empowering for women. The success of our movement hinges on respect, opportunity, and a strong sense of connectedness across our players, teams, staff, fans, partners, and avid supporters. Let's keep the focus on our athletes and build on the momentum created in the first few exciting days here in Lake Placid. There's no circumstance where it would be acceptable to call out many of the reporters, staff members, and fans who have given so much to women's hockey, especially knowing that these people could be targeted or harassed on social media. Now, the founder of Barstool released a video decrying the NWHL's response to Nardini and even called for a uh, black player on the Metropolitan Riveters, Soroya Tinker, to be arrested because of her comments about the company. Uh, Some Riveters players liked that. Uh, Their director of hockey ops apparently put her support for Nardini on Instagram. And uh, it's just something that really needs to be reined in for sure for teammates of Soroya Tinker to like that video that again called for her to be arrested um, is just beyond the pale. It's shocking. It's unacceptable. And I hope the NWHL, the Metropolitan Riveters, uh, take steps to uh, protect Tinker, to give her the dignity and respect that she deserves as a very talented hockey player and someone who's standing up for what is right and, uh, you know, 
if hockey is for everyone, then please take steps to make sure that it indeed is. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that for now until probably Friday when uh, we chat with Mayor Zilberberg um, or unless something else happens. Uh, but yeah, it's um, ridiculous. Again, Soroya Tinker, a black Riveters rookie in the NWHL who called out Barstool for being toxic, bigoted website, her teammate, Kelly Babstock, who is non-black and has appeared in various Barstool podcasts, liking those tweets under a video by the founder of Barstool calling for Tinker to be arrested and jailed. And it's just completely shocking, disgusting. And again, I hope the Riveters take steps to um, work this out and not only work it out, but just hold these players accountable for making one of their teammates feel at the very least unsafe in uh, in the locker room, to be sure. And even just on social media and elsewhere, Marissa and Jemmy did add, she's been told some teams like Boston and Toronto are extremely no tolerance of any barstool affiliation or association. It's a team culture thing. The Riveters are trying to handle their obvious split internally, and there's plenty of disappointment there. Some Riveters players have apologized for their teammates' behavior as well to those dealing with the harm and otherwise. Understanding is they are trying to make their teammates understand why this is so harmful. The Riveters' issue now is being dealt with hourly. It's a fluid situation, and uh, yeah, it's something that can't be ignored on a any hockey podcast, especially a Boston hockey podcast where, uh, you know, the Pride and Bruins um, share rink space and fans. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Locked on Boston Bruins. A great win last night for our Bruins. They'll be back on the ice Thursday against those same Pittsburgh Penguins. And we'll have all the updates uh, on player health um, coming up here tomorrow as we preview that game but do keep it locked on at lo boston bruins as well for all the latest and um yeah thank you so much again for listening please do take care of yourselves and um subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode of locked on boston bruins part of the locked on podcast network your favorite team every single day